of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are appearing as private individuals. <laughs> yeah, their comments don't necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. <laughs> also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always remember your training, consider your situation, and... Fly that aircraft! Semi sort of pseudo what Yeah, ad lib. Ad lib. Like ad lib. You know, like the like like, like the script the rest of them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say what I think what we've done before qualifies as ad lib. <laughs> so I don't I think this is a new record. Three days. We did we did an episode three days ago and now we're back again. This is just uh, uh we're gluttons for punishment or something we like are. that. And and um, um we've we've got to stop meeting like this. I know. <laughs> well, let's see. In uh, let's see, what is it here? Uh, about seven weeks, six weeks, we'll stop meeting like this and start meeting like it's at Sun and Fun. I know. Looking forward to it. That's true. Cannot That's true. Wait. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Let me get this out of the way first, and then we can kind of start picking and choosing. Uh, welcome, folks, to episode one hundred and twenty-four of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on what I believe is Wednesday evening, March 4th, 2009. Uh, I really quickly scribbled this today together this afternoon. So that's what that's what Mickey tells me. Is yeah. it's Wednesday the the fourth? Wednesday, March 4th. And, well, if it's uh, Wednesday, it must be New Jersey. That's right. And my two friends here in the virtual hangar are uh, Jeb Burnside, who's talking to us from Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. Hiya, Jack. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm uh, well. More about that in a minute. And also, Dave Higdon, uh, who's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. Good evening, folks. Jeb, Jack, all the pilots in the air everywhere, and those that uh, unfortunately aren't. Yeah, this is kind of lashed together tonight. I'm working from a, a different microphone that uh, I tested earlier and sounded decent, but you never know. So. You know, I may we may just be be begging our listeners to forgive us for this one, but uh, um, I'm on a bad. Oh, and I, and so I'm Jack Hodgson on the bad microphone, <laughs> and I'm talking to you from. That's got to be a new record. I'm talking to you from a hotel room in Princeton, New Jersey. I, now this is interesting. Has almost well has a little bit to do with aviation. I am in the general vicinity of both Lakehurst, New Jersey, where the Hindenburg crashed. And Grover's Mill, New Jersey, where oh, Orson man, Wells, where the aliens landed, where Orson Welles Martians first landed, and uh, so, uh, anyways, uh, and I am on yet another poor uh, hotel Wi-Fi uh, connection. So big, big time poor because you are you almost I almost lost you that one. Oh really? Okay. Uh, yeah. Dave's, Dave's sounding good to me, so I don't know what. Anyways, we're gonna just play it by ear and see what we got here. Um, uh, we, we, bit uh, by byte by megabit by megabyte, we'll get it together yeah. somehow or other. Yeah. So, so we talked just three <laughs> days ago. Nothing, nothing has happened in the world in the last three days. So, <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Pick something. There, well, here's what you want, I'll pick something. All right. Uh, why don't you pick something? What in the world is is such a big deal about the fact that they're selling self serve gas at uh, uh, in Wichita? Which airport is this in Wichita? This That's is international continent. Yeah. yeah. And why is this notable? Well, first off, I don't think it's been offered anywhere there. 
uh, in all the years that self-service pumps have been available. Uh, a number of the airports in the in the vicinity offer it, uh, and a couple of you know the larger airports don't. So for the biggest airport in the area to uh, one of the leading FBOs there, and, and there are more than one, fortunately. Yingling Aviation been a Cessna dealer since, God, there have been Cessna dealers. And uh, visiting with them a few weeks ago for a project for one of my clients, they, you know, given me the tour, how things had changed. We expanded this. We added that. Here's where the Skycatcher assembly is going to go. Because they're going to be one of the assembly points for the Skycatcher LSA when they start coming Uh into the country. And, oh, out there you can see the pad where the self-service fuel pump station is going to go in. And I kind of stopped and went, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Big uh, airline this? FBO with uh, yeah. uh, taxi seven four up and top it off. Yeah, yeah. What's the story? So what are they like a bunch of luddites that they've been putting this off? Or uh, by the way, I have to comment on the fact that it, 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 they can't be all bad. Uh, a, an FBO la- named after a Japanese beer is okay by me, right? It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if you trace the history, you'll find it's named after the Wichita car dealer. Who saw a future in aviation and started up the the, the uh, company before there was even a mid-continent airport to call mid-continent? Well, how, how wrong that proved to be, right? Oh, big time! Now it's a busy place. Uh huh. So, so it's There's also a domestic beer uh, named Yingling. It's spelled differently. Well, but, maybe uh, that's the one I'm thinking of. It's, Is it's the, the oldest continuous uh, brewery in the country, or if not the world, I guess the country. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody yeah, that, that's spelled Y E U, isn't it? That's the and yeah. that's the one I was thinking of. I was just making a cheap joke, yeah. and uh, so uh, um, uh, the hopefully China won't sue you for it. Is there any other kind? <laughs> well, oh, cheap <laughs> joke. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Somebody, uh, who was it? Randy Dufoe forwarded an. Uh, yeah, this is. I'm changing the subject now. Randy Dufoe uh, forwarded a, uh, a a news story to us recently um, about you know something we've known for some time now, which is that uh, Lining Kugel is kind of going national in a big way and uh, becoming, yeah. you know. And but I was looking for that for the new brew in my local neighborhood uh, beverage dispensary uh, just not. Not an hour ago. I think we need to get a cut here. I think we need to get like. I mean, we, we do. They wouldn't have been able to go national if we hadn't been been. You know. Sing, oh, I agree. I agree. We should. We should at least you know star in a commercial or something. <laughs> yeah, that Ab- would absolutely. That would help Ab- the brand big time. Um, so. Uh, well, so that's uh, so that's our first beer reference. Amount of, I think we could re- work for a reasonable amount of beer. Yeah. So seriously, well, what's I, I, what's reasonable to you might not be reasonable to me. Well, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping you're reasonable and my reasonable are pretty unreasonable. <laughs> I think that's a reasonable assumption. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think we've reasonably beaten that to death. So, yeah. so anybody been doing any flying recently? It's only been three days, but. <laughs> not, since, not since the last time I flew, which was the day before we did the last episode. And uh, and uh, I've spent most of the time since the last podcast uh, driving a truck between uh, between New Hampshire and and uh, and you, you know, can't Grover's Mills, uh, you, New Jersey. You can't log that toward um, your next certificate. No, 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 no. It was a nice clear day. I couldn't even get any instrument out of it. Uh, and since we last talked, I've only had occasion to put. Ten miles, maybe, on my truck. 
doing around town errands. I mean, well, God, it's, we're, we're just doing our I listeners a huge I'll, favor by getting back here in three days. I'll tell you. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. But there's but, so much going on in the world. I mean, we just right. can't stay away from it too long. All right, David, you look obviously at all have the something things on your that mind. popped up. In, no, I'm just looking at all the little things that popped up here. Okay, pick just one. in the course of well, okay, uh, flight design. So far, the biggest provider of uh, ASTM-compliant light sport aircraft uh, is working on a green, as they call it, hybrid aircraft power plant. Yeah, yeah. That uses, I saw uh, that, and I, I, I went to their website and poked around. I, didn't, I couldn't find anything. Um, but it's, it's some kind of it's, – it's obviously got a uh, – a uh, traditional gasoline-powered uh, power plant, uh, gasoline-powered engine in it, but it also has some kind of an electric motor. Um, and yeah. the, way I, the way I read the press release, um, the electric motor and the gasoline engine are both on for takeoff and, I presume, initial climb and, and things. Um, and then the electric motor is, is uh, stopped the prop continues to turn. I don't. I don't. I'd like to see under the cowling all this, um, and then the airplane flies on the gasoline engine, unless or until it needs additional power, um, where the the motor kicks back on. It's kind of like a Prius. Yeah, so it, yes. it, it is literally a hybrid. It's uh, yeah, just yeah. like yeah. hybrid cars. Well, okay, that's and, kind of interesting. And in the big instance, the big thing here is that, as most of you who've flown for a while know, when we're at cruise. Uh, you know, 75% power is generally optimal, what most of us run most of the time when we're going places. You know, one, once in a while might push it up to 80 when we're really in a hurry, but the fuel expense goes way up. So 75% power and less. So this setup designs the, the combustion engine at its maximum to produce basically what's needed for cruise. Mm-hmm. And the electric motor adds, according to the release, 40 horsepower mm-hmm. that's available for, like Jeb said, take off and, and, uh, and cruise climb to, to your cruising altitude. You pull the power back and the electric motor comes offline. Uh, the whole rig recharges uh, the small battery that's necessary. And, uh, you know, if you've got, if, if you got need to do a go around to... You power it back up, and uh, the motor kicks in and gives you that rejected landing climb power that you're going to want in that instance. And I would imagine if it works anything like the Prius uh, that I got a ride in back last year, it's pretty seamless. You don't feel things yeah. go from one to another. Yeah, you, you don't. Know, it's, it's just how much power you ask for is how much you get. Yeah, Prius is, is pretty smooth and seamless. Um, but I, I'd like to see, you know, under the cowling of this, you know, how the, uh, the, how, you know, how big the motor is, uh, uh, the battery is associated with it, um, and how the, 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 uh, electric motor and the, uh, gasoline engine are linked to the single propeller. That, that would be interesting to see. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, how, they, it, how they do all that in the, in the, the form factor of a CT. Doesn't doesn't flight design make um, LSAs? Yeah, yeah, that's who we're talking about. So this, right? is a, they, this is an LSA. Okay, so it's a yeah. This is an engine for an LSA category aircraft. Okay, all right. Or yeah. I should say a power plant. I mean, boy, is it ever power, true in this yeah. case? Power, 
um, power system or whatever yeah. you want to yeah. call it. How hard yeah, is it going to be to get it certified or, or, or whatever sort of blessing from the feds they're going to need to get? Is this well, so they AS, If they do it according to ASTM standard, I'm not sure there's exactly a standard in existence for that. All the more, I don't think there is. Uh, I'd be surprised. But as long as it's done according to the ASTM standard, um, the FAA is kind of out of the loop. I mean, they can sprinkle holy water, but that's about all they can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, of course, they can come in on an audit or an inspection and declare you know mm-hmm. something non-compliant and shut down production, but uh, that that hadn't happened so far because everybody's trying really hard to stay on point. But the whole idea here is to greatly reduce the overall cost of flying Mm -hmm. because if you can get by for takeoff and landing with just what you can get out of the smaller horsepower engine, you know, when, where it charges the battery up when you're not using the motor and runs off the battery, gives that added kick when you need the motor. Uh, I could see, Jiminy, what's the difference between takeoff power fuel flow and cruise power fuel flow? What, generally about airplane, 40, 40, 50 percent? I was going to say my airplane, um, more than that, uh, as a rule. I mean, I'm, I'm chugging... Uh, between 28 and 30 gallons per hour at takeoff and initial climb. And then depending on how, on how high I'm going, if I'm, if I'm doing my normal cruise regime, I'm burning between 12.5 to 14 gallons an hour in right. cruise. Depending, so, on, how, depending yeah. on how lean a peak you're running it. Yeah, well, that and just how much, what percentage of power I'm, I'm pulling. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but... Uh, 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 and Air Comanche, it, it went from about 19 an hour down to about 10. Yeah. 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 What, what's going to be really interesting on this is, uh, are they going to, you know, uh, well, I'm starting to get a little bit out of whack here, but uh, are they are they going to call this a twin, you know? <laughs> uh, Not with it turning a single propeller. And, um, oh, that's true. And uh, when are we going to start seeing solar cells uh, molded in the shape of an airfoil? Well, oh, I don't think that's far away at all. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. So, I, I mean, they've already flown solar aircraft on extended high altitude uh-huh. stuff. So, you know, we know at the fundamental level they can make it happen. Now it's a matter of making it practical. So, does Flight yeah. Designs have a flying prototype? They were kind of squiggly on that. They said that they would have something at Sun and Fun, didn't okay. they? Well, that's sort of my yeah. next question. Yeah. So, Dave? yeah, and I'm I'm betting they'll be flying demos down there with it. Uh, uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, you know, Flight Designs European company, uh, and the importer is Flight Design USA. And my long old old time buddy Tom Pagini uh, operates that. And uh interesting thing about flight design has always been that we really don't hear about new products and new improvements until they're done or at least flying. For example, mm-hmm. the, the, the flight design MC, that's their mm-hmm. first metal airplane, MC right. standing for metal concept. Uh, it's geared a little bit more toward the training market than the uh, CT, which is really quite a hot little airplane. Uh, it's a, it's a, that's a performer. And uh, the MC was flying before we actually heard about it, and they donated the first one to EAA as uh, the 2009 uh, sweepstakes prize. So 
when they make an announcement like this in their uh, hybrid aircraft power plant, uh, based on past performance, they've been running it, and they either are ready to fly it or are very close to flying it. Yeah. Cool. Sounds interesting. Okay, I admit it. Sounds interesting. Now, there's another uh, green energy uh, story in the news this past week. Um, oh, yeah, and I love it. This is uh, these, and I think, did we talk about this in the podcast in the past? I think I think you guys mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, and, we've uh, mentioned it in the past. Um, this is uh, uh, an outfit that has what they claim will be a, a, a replacement for 100 low lead that uh, is, well, I mean, you tell me what it is. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, all I know is from this reading the, the story. The, sw- the swift fuel thing? Yeah. Well, my uh, my browsers aren't opening very quickly here this evening. I'm surprised I'm still online with you well, guys. It's it's a biomass derived synthetic fuel. Well, that was going to be one of my questions. So it's not petroleum based. It's not petroleum based, but it's also not alcohol. Uh-huh. Yay! Okay. Anything it's other than alcohol. alcohol? Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, the the news that. Jeb's waiting on his browser to open in front of him is that uh, the FAA has evaluated this alternative, what would be an alternative to 100 low lead, and found that it has higher heat content, that that is, it's a higher octane than 100 low lead. Well, I'm I'm just quoting their story, been able to without lead as an octane booster. No lead in it to get the octane up. About 13% more heat value than avgas, and it's also about a pound heavier per gallon, which is pretty much on on, on money, heat content per pound-wise, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. And yeah. so far, yeah, they find bother. that it meets the uh, fuel standards, so the company says that they can make it for under two a gallon. Well, that, that's the manufactured price, which is not necessarily the price at the pump. But but still, oh, absolutely not the price at the pump. But, but still, still good. Go for it. Um, now the story doesn't really go into any detail about whether they've managed to make this in any kind of quantity or not. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, they're making it in, in test tubes in the lab. That's that's different from from they've got a plant producing buckets of it. You know, but uh, nevertheless, well, good. I, go for it. This is awesome because this is yeah. totally, this. Is, I mean, if they pull off what they've described here, I mean, we're talking. You know, we're we're into the realm of you know. This is a discovery like perpetual motion. If you if you've got really good fuel that's not petroleum based and is relatively cheap, and that does not contain there, lead, there are two or three. That's a story that goes beyond aviation, isn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. You know? yeah, yeah, it does. But in our particular case, the fact that somebody's out there researching a, a substitute specifically geared toward our airplanes. Mm-hmm. Is oh you know massive okay, because if the fuel actually meets the standards that are necessary to get it approved, there's a substitute for under low lead. Uh, we're actually looking at a fuel that has a very high probability of being compatible with all the funky tubes well, and yeah. gaskets and and bladders and and things that are in our fuel system, things right. well, that alcohol based or alcohol supplemented petroleum fuels are not. You know, so, that, that's, you know, this, we, this could be huge. Yeah, when we started talking about this, I said, you know, uh, at least it's not alcohol, and that's a that's a great thing. The, the, the alcohol, of course, is, is um, um, any any fuel containing alcohol is, is verboten in, in aircraft engines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, if you look at all the STCs out there for, well, I guess both of the STCs out there for, for burning MOGAS and 
um, certified engines and probably even uh, 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 light sport engines like the Rotax and the, and the Jabiru uh, models. Now explain to people uh, why that is. Uh, well, alcohol, first of all, uh, absorbs water. Yep. Uh, which is a, a big problem. Secondly, as as Dave uh, touched on or, or explained, I should say, um, alcohol can wreak havoc with the rubber and plastic parts in the fuel systems, starting with even if you have a wet wing airplane, uh, they're sealant, yeah. sealing the nooks and crannies. Uh, and that sealant is, um, you know, a synthetic or an epoxy or, or uh, uh, maybe a, a rubber compound or something like that. Um, and the alcohol will attack that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fuel lines uh, where they're rubber instead of metal, um, same thing. Even, even the metal lines, uh, because of the, the um, sometimes uh, um, high water content, that can be in an alcohol-based fuel. Uh, you get corrosion. corrosion, right. Exactly. exactly. Um, and then you get to the seals and the gaskets and the floats in carburetors and in, in fuel injection systems, and it, it's, just a, it's just a very bad scene. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of holding out for um, uh, something I heard about recently, all these fuels that are made from spices. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, spices like, you know, parsley and cinnamon and, parsley, and things like this. Parsley, and thyme. Well, yeah, exactly. See, Mussolini made the trains run on time. That's right. I cannot. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's a food joke, son. It's a food joke. <laughs> Mussolini made the trains run on a spice, okay, just like in uh, the Outland worlds in... Uh, uh, Dune, right? Spice was everything. Got it. That's okay. Right. All right. Okay, but Swift Fuel, Swift yeah. Enterprises, they've been working on this for quite a while. Uh, if I'm looking at an article here, and it looks like it's a, it's a uh, started by a professor at Purdue. That's just what I thought. Purdue University School of Astronautics and Aeronautics Engineering, professor that's behind some of this. They've been working on it for quite a while. Now, the, this article says that the uh, GA industry each year uses nearly 570 million gallons of 100 low lead. It's toxic, increasingly expensive, non-renewable. The just, refiners got to treat it special, and you know, which doesn't do anything for our uh, cost factor. Yeah. Uh, they're saying that they can do 1.8 million gallons per day hmm. okay. by using 1. only 8. five. By using only 5% of the country's existing biofuel plant infrastructure. Uh, that's what intrigues me. It's what intrigued me before is that they're talking less about inventing a new wheel and more about redirecting the direction an, a, a bunch of existing wheel is going to go. And that's taking existing uh, distilling process, alcohol-making process, and change it over to do this particular biomass product because the material that's used in a fuel is actually a byproduct of a fermentation process just like alcohol. The process apparently also will produce some alcohol. So uh, it, it, it cuts in two directions. And, and what they get out of it and refine into fuel, uh, man, I'm thinking if they can make this work and it's passed all the tests so far, 
we could actually find ourselves immune to worries about petroleum-based avgas in, in a few years. And wouldn't that be wonderful? Mm-hmm. You know, so, the market still has to uh, accept this, and there has to be the infrastructure in place to um, distribute it and deliver it into the tanks. I mean, it's been 10 years or so. Let's have a conversation with George, with George Brawley at GAMI about alternative fuels and whatnot. And he's tested uh, engines. On, they got a big test stand rig out there and in uh, Ada, Oklahoma, and, and uh, you know, really doing the Lord's work on a lot of these airplane engines and uh, whatnot. But uh, George is telling me, oh, yeah, I get, you know, barrels of 96 UL. Uh, shipped in, and and we we'll run engines on us. So you know, ninety six UL, of course, is the uh, uh, there's there's a tested, approved um, alternative fuel standard called ninety six UL, ninety six octane unleaded. Uh, unleaded, and right? It, it, it's been out there for at least a decade. Uh, it works. Um, the FAA signed off on it. The the ASTM has signed off on it. Um, bada bing, bada boom. Um, but there's no demand for it, uh, in part because, you know, it, it would run my engine fine. My engine's a 100, 130 uh, uh, octane engine, um, and you know, obviously runs fine on 100 low lead, uh, and it should run fine on 96 UL. Uh, there are some engines, a very small number of them, that uh, would not run very well on 96 UL. Uh, at least given current um, uh, ignition um, components, current ignition timing standards for those engines. Yeah. Um, That's one but, of the things that makes this new fuel jump right. jump out. The higher octane mm-hmm. and still no lead to right. suppress detonation. Right. Uh, and if the chemistries are compatible, the infrastructure already basically exists to handle it because it will only require the same kind of special treatment that – that uh, 100 low lead requires now, which is considerable, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't cost extra to handle this stuff uh, right? Com- compared to handling the petroleum. And if the production sites are flexible enough, uh, it's conceivable that they could locate some of this stuff more, uh, more in proximity to the right. high-use areas. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. All it takes is the is the will to switch over, and that's a, you know, that's either a market based solution or it's a regulatory solution, or or some other uh, impetus is necessary. Well, and that's um, that's that's a good point, man. Because we keep running, we keep running on a thin line that has separated us from a regulatory solution grounding us. Yeah, and that you know that, well, I, that availability I, I, of a suitable if, alternative. If, if you're thinking would, about would the EPA shut, if you're thinking about the EPA shutting down Hunter Low Lead, um, yeah, we we keep hearing warnings and, and horror stories and, and Chicken Little uh, um, telling us that Hunter Low Lead is going away, and yeah, eventually it will. But I just don't see Hunter Low Lead being that high on the that that bright a blip on the EPA's radar screen that's right what's, now. That's what's helped save us. I yeah. mean, we've had like the Great, the, the great Lakes Region Administrator, the EPA, sure. really got her sensors 
wrapped around the wheel of getting 100 low lead done away with uh, really? because, it's, oh, this is a decade ago. Okay. Okay. This was a Clinton appointee. Okay. Uh, but she couldn't get any traction nationally with the EPA. And the EPA kind of reined her in on trying to set special standards for the Great Lakes region vis-a-vis the availability of leaded fuel. Because her big bugaboo was that it was doing damage to the Great Lakes that fell into her region. Mm. Uh, you know, since there's no fuel, no lead in any other fuel, the lead that's showing up vis-a-vis must be coming from that nasty hundred low lead that airplanes are using. Uh, at one of these point, at one of these days, with stuff like this, with material yeah. like the uh, the, the uh, new fuel, the uh, Swift fuel. It's going to be economically smart to make the changeover and regulatorily easy to kind of just push us over the edge with the availability of, a, of, an, of an alternate to 100 low lead that's been demonstrated to work. And, you know, our 100-octane airplanes, our 90-octane airplanes, our 80-octane airplanes, uh, we'll be good to go. Yeah. And, and this is sounding a whole lot promising. And personally, I I would feel wonderful knowing that I could be flying around on three dollar three three fifty a gallon fuel, and know that the next time the Middle East gets in an uproar, oh yeah, my fuel supply is not going to go to five bucks a gallon because somebody right. holds up some ships in the Persian Gulf. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, it sounds exactly. pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool. <clears throat> What else is on our list here? Um, I, I came across an interesting little, not a big story, but I, it's something that never occurred to me. We've been talking a lot about uh, new ELTs, the new emergency locator transmitters, the 406 yeah, yeah. Uh, megahertz versions. And, uh, and as, as more and more people change over from their older 121.5 uh, ELTs to the new ones, um, uh, a, 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 an effect that I hadn't thought about but totally makes sense, and that is that people are going to be taking these out of their airplanes and throwing them over in the corner of their hangar or worse, and a lot of them are likely to get triggered at that point or later on as they get kicked or moved or whatever. <laughs> and what little infrastructure we have left for tracking down 121 ELTs is going to get taken up trying to track down all these bogus uh, signals. So uh, I, I understand the concerns on the part of the Civil Air Patrol, and I respect those concerns. I I think anyone who removes an ELT from their airplane and doesn't remove and secure the battery powering that ELT uh, probably <laughs> shouldn't be flying airplanes. <laughs> That's just such a common sense, good uh, workmanship, good uh, shop um, uh, habits kind of thing to do that it's it, it doesn't even bear remarking about the, 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 uh, actually this is among where the people that's just, the fact that you and I you and I both know people that fall into that sub one percent region for whom this little reminder is gonna make them go, oh yeah. duh <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not criticizing the reminder, and I'm. No, I'm. Not, and, I know you're not. I know and, you're not. Uh, Civil Air Patrol and, and other SAR assets, they need all the help they can get. I'm not criticizing them either. I just, I, I just gotta wonder it's, about someone, who, and this has obviously happened, or we wouldn't see this. We wouldn't be hearing this warning, but I just gotta wonder about someone who pulls the ELT out of their airplane 
and doesn't disconnect the battery and chunks it in the corner and walks away. I just I, it makes me crazy. <laughs> well, anyway, so I just kind of stash this Which away. Which is a short, you know, it, it drives me crazy. It's a short trip, so you know. I was going to say that's an on the green putt. That is not <laughs> yeah. a fairway. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's not even a two putter. Uh, <laughs> that is putt putt golf putt. That's right. That's that's, that's right. yeah. So uh, let's see. <laughs> A couple of pieces of no federal, a couple of pieces of federal news this week. Uh, well, actually, uh, no, that never happens. Yeah, right. I, I guess that maybe it's not. Anyways, there's a couple of stories we might want to comment on here. Um, the uh, comment period has ended on the uh, light aircraft, large aircraft security program. One day I'm going to remember what this acronym means, but uh, whatever. It is, I know the, LSA, LASP. The, the LASP. Uh, uh, proposal uh the comment period has ended and uh the the consensus seems to be that that it was very nearly unanimous you know opposition they've got a huge number of comments we're we're hearing um we know that the the public meetings were were uh, uh just overwhelmingly opposed uh, lots and lots of people no, showing no, no, up. not overwhelmingly let's get the word right yeah universally okay universally yeah so uh so what happens now you guys know how this oh, works through don't put it through. You, you, <laughs> not that I'm pessimistic or no. anything. No, I don't think you're pessimistic. I think you're just a big cynic. That's what it is. Well, it, it, unfortunately, there is nothing in the system to bar them from looking at all the negative comments, reading through all the all the notes from all the speakers at all five of the meetings all around the country, and go, yeah, we're sorry, but you're wrong. And we just got to do this. But I thought we had because some. We, thought, we know more about the terrorist threat in this country than you do. Yeah, and well, we're here to protect you. I thought we had some That's smart right. people. We, I thought we had some smart people running Department of Transportation and Department of Homeland Security now. Well, first off, this uh, DOT has nothing to do with this. Yeah, but they might have some influence. I, I, saw, I saw a brief today that talked about the, how the FAA is going to be handling I saw all that the also. comments. Yeah. And I kind I saw of went, that okay, story. that's when you try to hire. That's what happens when you don't hire for position. Right. Okay. Well, that's, that's, yeah. when, that's when you need a good you put a guard in when you needed a center, and it didn't work. Uh, the FAA has nothing, zero, zip, zada, nada, nothing, zilch, zada? nothing to do with this. Zada. Zada. Yeah, that's. Well, they, they that's, must, you know, they, they, they could, like, they could, you know, chime in. They could, you know. Well, they could file comments along with anybody else. Well, no, I'm, and, talking you know, behind, could, I'm talking behind. They could the raise scenes. their hand. Talking, they could raise their hand. Secretary LaHood could raise his hand at a cabinet meeting and go, uh, 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 "Secretary Napolitano, <laughs> please tell us that you're going to not do that stupid thing that was proposed by the last guy." And she seems pretty level-headed too, right? So uh, you know. Well, here's here's my hope. I'm not going to go so far as to label it an expectation. I'm slightly less pessimistic than Jeb. Uh, but my hope is that under the new leadership, the leadership that has gotten nothing vested in this proposal, will sit down and look over the shoulder of all the career people that have not changed since the inauguration, the ones that have actually been driving this truck and uh, uh, truck wreck, and, uh, <laughs> and 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 you know, look over their shoulders and shake their heads and go, no, 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 not on our watch. And uh, I mean, 
I'm trying to uh, picture what that regulation being in effect would have done to the campaigns and the campaign planes and the press planes of both President Obama, Senator McCain, uh, the vice presidential candidates, and the press planes that followed them around. Those were Part 91 ops, folks. Kind well, of Part 91 ops that fall directly under this proposal. Now, admittedly, those, those, those are much bigger airplanes. They are going to get yeah, they'll all get a I waiver. Because those aircraft were um, um, a um, in excess of 103,000, whatever it is, pounds. B operated uh, under a lease or a charter arrangement. Um, they would be subject. To TSA regulations. Well, they would be subject but to the twelve five program for sure. They would be set. Well, there's a there's another program. I know there's another one for over 103. You're right for over 103. But but the punchline and all that is, um, they had Secret Service on board, so they were probably yeah. exempt uh, by way. That's but, a good point. Uh, but uh, going back to uh, uh, predicting the the future here. Um, TSA is going to do what TSA is going to do, um, and I, I, as far as the extent to which any of this rises to the attention of anyone at the White House, um, it's going to take a major stink on the part of either the alphabet soup, um, uh, the media, or, or some other entity or entities before this gets on that particular radar screen. Well, and the, the, the I, alphabet groups have been have, have not been it, shy about this. No, they haven't. But uh, a lot of that is echo chamber. Um, a lot sure. of that is meant for our consumption as opposed to consumption by um, uh, those who actually care or are in a position to do something about it, I should say. The, the, but here's the, fact here's the seen, point. Okay, go ahead. Uh, what, what's going to have to happen? And and they got off to a fairly decent start last week uh, on some of this. There were nine members of Congress who signed the joint letter uh, that was made yes. part of the part of the public uh, record, the public comment period on this uh, proposal, um, who basically poo pooed the idea. Um, and uh, what what's going to have to happen is more congressional input come down on TSA in opposition to this proposed rule and and the whole thing go back to the drawing board but here's here's my other fear um here and I've I've got a um how should I put this I, I'm not very happy with the um the ways some of the alphabet soup has expressed um uh, their displeasure over this proposal. Uh, EAA's done a, a pretty a pretty good job, um, but um, it really hasn't been as um, uh, descriptive as it should be. It hasn't been as vocal. It hasn't been as forceful as I think it should be. Um, and what do I know? But. Uh, um, Th this is just really a bad, bad idea all the way around. And what we hear coming out of a lot of the alphabet soup is 
hey, you know, uh, it's got a few problems. We want to work with the agency on de- on developing ways to improve Actually, it. Well, that's not what I'm hearing from the alphabet groups. Well, what I'm that, hearing well, from I've the alphabet seen, groups I'm is a lot scrap, of, scrap the whole yeah. thing, do a rulemaking committee, and let's well, see if there's any I'm, basis for this. That's what I'm getting at, though, is a rulemaking committee is, is in a, you know, just another way of saying um, your basic concept of, regulating this particular activity has merit, but you're going about it all, all wrong. I would stop um, before saying that the basic concept has merit and say, Jane, you ignorant slut, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about and what you, what you need to be starting to worry about some other things and not this. Yeah. But that's just me. That's just well, you. I, I, think, I think some of that came through the... Uh, Letter came that the a, members of Congress signed. That uh, it came came through a lot of the public comments and rightfully oh, came so. through clear in the public comments. And, and, and certainly, you know, the alphabet soup has to be a little circumspect in what they say and how they say it. Uh, and I'm well, sure at the same time that that they would say, well, you know, this is trying to get our foot in the door here before we actually kill this thing off once and for all. And that's all real, real well and good, um, but. Um, this is one of those things on, that we shouldn't be compromising on. We should we should no, be I, I, trying. I agree. Be trying to kill the rule, but at the same time, drive a stake through its heart, and then chop it up in little pieces and and throw them all over various places in the country so they can never get back together. Word for it is chum. Make it chum. Then uh, we should, then we should tackle the TSA itself. But that's just me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I I think there's some of that going on now. Uh, you know, the popular press is good for reporting all these things that these cabinet people are doing that doesn't rise to the level of picking, getting picked up by the aviation trades and, and outside our echo chamber. And one of the things that the new Secretary of Homeland Security has uh, uh, already put in motion is a complete review of the department's mission and how it's going about handling it and look at whether some of the what it's doing are, are, are a effective and b necessary and those are two really big different questions i'd love to because, be a fly for that meeting yeah, yeah. Okay. because we know that there's stuff that they do we know that there's stuff that they do that is wholly theatrical oh it duh. has no it has no no prospect of stopping somebody from doing some of the things that they promote that it's stopping. Really? Uh, that's, so that's, you know, is it effective? Well, no. Then is the threat real? And that's a whole different thing because one, well, of, the, one of the problems that this whole proposal uh, uh, is built on is a presumption that there's a threat here. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, not only does it miss the mark on there being a threat here, but it also misses the mark on its on, on the agency's proposal being totally impotent at stopping what the make-believe threat is supposed to be. Right, yeah. So, so we, got a pro- we got a proposal in, in, in search of a real threat and an answer that doesn't answer the real threat. Yeah. Yeah. So put a stake through it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what's going on behind the scenes right now. 
they're being real nice in public and they're saying this should be scrapped, this should be pulled, it should be you know, passed off to a rulemaking committee that we have a hand in picking. And then behind the scenes, they can slowly but steadily stake through the heart each one of the inane, archaic arguments that these people have that this is going to do something. But like I said, I'm a little more optimistic than Jim. Yeah. Okay. One last uh, story on our list this week uh, is, uh, in my mind, without question, the most heartfelt story on the list, and that is the announcement that came out of Oshkosh this week that uh, that uh, Paul Poporezny has uh, decided to finally completely step down from his uh, his official leadership role in EAA. He's retiring as uh, as chairman of the board, I guess, and and Thomas. No, 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 no. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, sorry, Paul. Paul, yes, Paul you're is right. Paul, Paul is retiring. retiring as chairman and, and, uh, of the board. Tom, who has been the the uh, president, um, is stepping up to also be chairman now. And uh, I mean, it, it goes without saying, but I'm absolutely going to say it that we wish Paul just nothing but the best. Um, absolutely, a, a, a person who has had uh, more influence on aviation than than just about anybody uh, in in the history of aviation, and uh, uh, and a, and a cool guy, and you still see him zipping around mm-hmm. uh, the grounds at Oshkosh every summer, and uh, uh, you know we we you know I wish him the best, and and uh, in his continued retirement, and hopefully this gives him a little bit more time to uh, to uh, enjoy life. Yes. Well, yes but, but our thoughts go out to to Paul and his lovely wife Audrey, and and you know, but because Audrey has has been as much a part of the story since 1953 as as Paul and and some of the uh, original gang that started EAA in his basement in Milwaukee, and uh, uh, you know his son Tom's been the president of EAA. He's been the head of the foundation for even longer. Uh, and he's moving up to be chairman, and the real earth mover in my mind was the announcement that a search committee is going to proceed work on the work of finding a replacement for Tom as president of EAA. Yeah, finding a new president. It's yeah, beginning, I guess, the, the early days of a new era at, at EAA. Um, yeah. So... Anyways, we wish we wish Paul nothing but the best, and look forward to seeing him again. And, and, this, and of course, Tom continues to to warrant our our support and our enthusiasm and our best wishes as he doubles his workload here for a while. And uh, we're glad to know that he's going to be around for a while after he's no longer the day to day guy. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, that's everything on the list. What else we got? Anything else in the news? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm almost out of beer. So. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Uh, well, then maybe we'll just move right into shout-outs here. I've got a couple of shout-outs. You guys, guys have anything you want to drop in here at the end? Go ahead. Um, the two I wanted to mention are a reminder. The shortest episode ever. A reminder. No, well, you know, there are some earlier ones that are pretty short, but those, those, that's, you know, the dark ages. Um, reminder <laughs> to everyone that we are trying to put together uh, uh, uncontrolled airspace meetups uh, in uh, – both the New England area, the Wichita area, and whether he likes it or not, the Sarasota area. 
So <laughs> if you're yeah. if you're at all interested in getting together with some fellow uh, uh, UCAP listeners and perhaps even some of us, not that that's all that interesting, but uh, um, you should uh, speak up so that we can try and figure out where the best places and times would be. Uh, any developments, Dave? You want to tell us about on the Wichita meetup? I know you were trying to finalize that last time we talked. And uh, well, I've I've got a line on the place, and I don't think the place is going to be a problem. And since I don't think Sundays, it hadn't been an opportunity for anybody to hear that and respond. So yeah, no Sunday. I expect by the time we, by the, I expect by the time we do this again. Okay, well we're going to have something in line. Okay, right? great. All right, the the internet connection is starting to degrade just as we uh, try to wrap this thing up here. So let's see. What well, we I got finish one things. quick shout out to that the Jayhawk Wing of the Commemorative Air Force, and hoping them the best. They're having their annual salute to valor banquet on March 14, and uh, if you are in the Wichita area and care to attend, uh, legendary newsman here in the area, Larry Hatterberg is the speaker. He used to be the head of the White House Press Photographers Association, a uh, sharp guy. Uh, all the CAF folks locally will be out putting on a deal. It's about 40 bucks a ticket. Uh the information will be available at a link on the website, or just go to the uh, CAFJHawkWing.com, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, terrific. Um, the other shout-out I have is sort of an announcement uh, of sorts. Uh, as Dave uh, mentioned earlier in the podcast, we're looking forward to Sun and Fun in uh, a, a couple months, a few weeks. and. Uh, uh, we are once again going to be doing a pair of, of uh, UCAP episodes while we're down there, uh, and uh, more details on those as we get a little bit closer. We are kind of excited to announce that uh, we are going to be joined on that platform throughout the week by three more of our fellow aviation podcasts. Uh, the uh, the uh, Airspeed podcast, Steve Tupper, Stephen Force's Airspeed podcast, uh, Will Hawkins' uh, flight, uh, Pilot's Flight Podlog, uh, and also uh, Jason Miller's The Finer Points will each be doing an episode of their podcast from the Sun and Fun Radio deck throughout the week. And uh, it seems that the, uh, the hours between the Daily Air Show and the evening program are going to become kind of podcast land uh, at uh, Sun and Fun Radio. And it's going to be really exciting to, uh, to uh, you know, watch these folks in person. We've been listening to their podcasts all this time, so that'll be great. We are also going to do, uh, on another of those evenings, uh, we're going to do a Sun and Fun version of the Gathering of the Aviation Podcasters. So uh, it, uh, it'll probably be a little bit different than the gathering we've been doing at Oshkosh, but we are going to kind of have this big gang, hangar-flying aviation podcaster thing that we do uh, one of these evenings during Sun and Fun. So a lot of, uh, uh, if you're an aviation podcasting fan, a podcast fan, uh, there are going to be a lot of opportunities for you to hook up and and uh, and uh, you know learn about hook up with podcasts that you listen to or learn about ones that you hadn't heard of before um, during Sun and Fun. So stay tuned for specific details about this, but uh, it's going to be pretty cool. If Sun and Fun isn't cool enough already, I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So tonight it's pretty cool. Hopefully it'll be warmed up a little bit by late April. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it? Uh, you guys are going to start moaning about the weather down there again. Am I hearing you right here? No, we're not really moaning. It's just, it's been <clears throat> a little crisp. It was, you know, last two days, or I should say Monday and Tuesday, 
for me, it was just too cold to get on a motorcycle and ride to work, so I had to take take, take a four wheeler. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I did, did ride the bike today, and and I'm mostly thawed out. So uh, uh, looking forward to a warm, toasty weekend. And uh, all right. Uh, by the time by the time sun and fun rolls around, I think it will both both be sunny and fun. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, it's definitely time to mm-hmm. stick a fork in this one. Unless, Jeb, you don't have any shout-outs, do you? Ow! Ow! No, I don't. I'm sorry. Okay. All oh, right. No, no forking way. No forking way. Uh, well, Jeb Burnside is, uh, <laughs> is an, avi- an aviation journalist. <laughs> this sounded like something straight out of the opening of Wizard of Oz. I know, I know. Uh, Jeb is an aviation uh, journalist. Yellow, yellow, red, red. Currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. And, Jeb, where can people find you on the Internet? I'm doing all that when I'm not fending off flying monkeys coming through my headset. I know. Uh, <laughs> where do those monkeys me. fly from? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But, uh, uh, maybe that's what's wrong with my internet connection is all I can say. Flying monkeys, <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, you can find me at Aviation Safety Magazine. <laughs> Aviation dot com when I'm not fending off uh, attacks from uh, Wichita. Um, uh, occasionally on avweb.com, and one of these days, maybe tonight, if I can sort out this internet connection, I'll get my uh, my personal website back up at jeburnside.com. Okay. Over to you, Jack. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, well, you know, it's it's we we can't put it off any longer. That's Dave Higdon out there. Uh, Dave is an aviation photographer, uh, an aviation journalist as well, and also the U.S. Editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine, and uh, where I just there's no joke in here I can think of. It's like it's just. <laughs> where, where's, David, where can where's people, that monkey? Yeah, David, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, curl up, kitty, sometimes and imagine your worst nightmare, and I'll tell you where those monkeys come from that Chubb's talking about. Uh, how about I avbuyer dot com aea dot net or Dave Higdon dot biz? There you go. All right. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me and my work at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. As always, a big thanks to uh, the people who help us with this podcast, uh, Jeff Ward, for creating our show notes. Uh, To our many listeners, and particularly to Mike Morgan and Roy Searle for the show opening disclaimer clips. Also, don't forget that you can visit with us all at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the airport restaurants list, the aviation movies list, and more. And all of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, what and was to that? The young, to, the gentle, to, the gentleman that, to the gentleman that commented on the forums about almost running off the road when he heard the shout-out to the Stick and Rudder Flying Club for winning that award in Illinois, yeah. we're glad you didn't crash. That's right. That would have been an off-road landing of the week. <laughs> and you want to live longer, Coming go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Jeb, what are you going to say? I say coming soon will be flyingmonkeys.com. That's right. Well, that's that's just way too much talk. Let's all go flying. TTFN. <laughs>